Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to begin reading in verse 8 this morning, and I've got a long way to go and a short time to get there, so hang on this morning, all right? We're going to talk about six principles to fortify our faith. Six principles to fortify our faith. So in Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whether he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is in heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Charles Haddon Spurgeon once made this comment, A little faith will bring your soul to heaven. A great faith will bring heaven to your soul. And that is so true. And we're going to talk about faith this morning, and we're going to talk about fortifying our faith. Because you see, when we came to know Jesus Christ as Savior, God enrolled us in the school of faith. The Bible is our textbook. Life is our classroom. The apostles and the prophets are the professors. And I think Abraham would have to be the dean of this school of faith. Hebrews 11 presents many of the champions of the faith. We read about them. We read about Noah. We can read about Abel. So many that Hebrews 11 talks about, but it spends a great deal of time talking about Abraham and talking about Sarah. Now, we need to understand that faith is not accidental and faith is not incidental either. We will choose to have faith or not have faith. Amen. It's a choice we make. And see, Abraham chose faith. When we choose to trust God, we choose to place our faith and our confidence in him. And by the way, Hebrews 11 verse 6 says what? It says, without faith, it is impossible to please him, talking about God. For he that cometh to him must believe that he is, first of all, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently Seek him. If you're going to come to God, you must believe that he is. First of all, you're not going to come to somebody you don't believe in. And then you must believe in the goodness of God. And as it says here, that he rewards those that diligently seek him. Now, faith is a mark of a child of God. A child of God ought to be a person of faith. A child of God ought to be a person whose life exhibits faith and who depends upon God. What we're Christians called, what were saved people called before they were called Christians in Acts chapter 11? They're called believers, right? Followers of Christ are, are believers. Listen to Galatians 3 verse 26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. 
Faith is a mark of a child of God. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith, and very literally, the just shall live by his faith. We live day in and day out, trusting God, depending upon God. And we will never succeed in the Christian life without faith, without that dependence upon God. You know, the supreme source of evil and the supreme evil and the source of all other sins is unbelief. Now, you can't be saved if you're full of unbelief, if you don't trust the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. People don't go to hell because they commit murder, because they commit theft, because they commit a number of crimes or a number of sins. People don't go to hell for that reason. You know why people go to hell? Because they will not turn to God in repentance and by faith apply the shed blood of Jesus. The only way to be saved is repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. People are condemned because of unbelief. Listen to John chapter 3, verse 18. He that believeth on him, talking about Jesus, is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So unbelief, it is unbelief that condemns men to hell. Now as we look at Abraham, we have to go back a little bit. We have to remember what Abraham was. One way to find out what Abraham was before God called him out of the area of the Chaldees is just to go to Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15. And what does Joshua say? If you remember, that's the verse where Joshua says, for me and my house will serve the Lord. But before that, he said, now listen, you can serve the gods with a little g, those idol gods, those false gods that your forefathers served and worshiped on the other side of the flood. The flood talking about the Euphrates or the Euphrates River, however you want to pronounce that. Before Abraham ever came to God, Abraham was a pagan. He was an idol worshiper. And when he came to God and came to Christ and trusted God, you know how old he was? 75 years old. And so what that just shows us, you're never too old, you're never too evil to come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. If a man, woman, boy, or girl will listen to the Word of God, let the Holy Spirit convict their hearts, I am a sinner separated from God, I deserve hell, but God loved me enough that he sent Jesus to die on the cross that if I will trust him, if I will just turn to God and accept Jesus Christ by faith, receive it, God will save my soul and I can be a child of God. That's all it takes if one will do that. Now, think about Abraham's faith. We're told about it right here in Hebrews 11. God didn't tell Abraham where he was going. God said, I'm going to show you a place. You just follow me. And God didn't tell Abraham how long he was going to take to get there. And God didn't tell Abraham how long he was going to stay there. And God didn't tell Abraham what he was going to do while he was there. See, we want to know all of those things. If the Lord starts trying to lead us to do something, we say, well, Lord, uh, how long is it going to take for me to be there? How long am I going to have to be there? And what am I going to do? We worry about heaven sometimes, don't we? What am I going to do in heaven? You know what? I don't worry about that. God's got it figured out. And God knows. But God didn't tell Abraham anything, any of these things. God just told Abraham, go. And Abraham obeyed. When God said go, Abraham went. And he left everyone and he left everything behind and he followed God in faith. And folks, that's a good example for us today. Now we know the things that are written in the word of God about Abraham were written for our sakes. The scripture tells us that. In 
1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, it tells us the things that are recorded in the Old Testament are beneficial to us who live in these days of the New Testament. And what we need to do is we need to learn to trust God the way Abraham trusted God. Have that kind of faith. So this morning I want to look at six principles very quickly. I'm going to try to do it very, very quickly. Six principles from the life of Abraham that will help us to have that kind of faith. And the very first one is what I call the voice principle. The voice principle. We need to hear God. We need to hear God. Abraham heard God's call. If you will, just put a mark in your Bible there in Hebrews 11 and turn over to the book of Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. And in that 12th chapter of Genesis, we're going to see, in the first three verses especially, we're going to see the call of God to Abraham. Verse 1 says, Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee, or he's called Abram there, we know that's Abraham. The Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Over and over again in Genesis, what we see is the word of the Lord came to Abraham. The word of the Lord came to Abraham. And the very root of Abraham's faith is seen right here in these first three verses in the 12th chapter of Genesis. Because you know what God said in verse 1, God said, I'm sorry, in verse 2, God said, I will. In verse 3, God said, I will. And Abraham believed that God would. Abraham took God at his word. And that's what faith is. Now, there's a big difference in God saying, I will, and me and you saying, I will. If you just turn back to the 11th chapter, and we're not going to read a whole lot of verses there in the 11th chapter, but you look at the first four, the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Remember, this is after the flood, okay? And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Here are people saying, We will do this. We will do this. We're going to make a name for ourselves. We're going to build this tower. And they were saying, I will. And there's a difference between saying, I will, and God will. James said, we ought to say, if the Lord wills, okay? And so here these had made that decision. See, these said, we're going to make a name for ourselves. God said, Abraham, I'll make your name great. And we live in a world when a lot of people are wanting to make their names great today. They're wanting to have some fame, some fortune. They want everybody to know about them. And God says, I'll take care of that. You just serve me and I will take care of that. And people are trying to find success in their own strength instead of turning and depending upon God. There's a great difference. Abraham heard God. And Abraham heard God in a supernatural way. If you look again at chapter 12 and in verse 7 this time, it says the Lord appeared unto Abram. God appeared to Abraham. Now we know God's not going to appear physically, personally to us today, but there are other ways that we can hear God. Now if you just think about the scriptures, God's appeared to men in different ways. God appeared to Moses in a burning bush, didn't he? To the apostle Paul, the Lord appeared brighter than the noonday sun. Peter was on a housetop and had a vision. 
And God appeared to me in very different ways. And somebody would say, you know, if God would only speak to me like that, woo, I'd serve God, I'd believe him, I'd live for him. Well, first of all, I think what most of us would do, we'd try to figure out if that was really God speaking to us or not. Amen. Well, Lord, I'm not sure that was you. Remember Gideon putting out the fleece? And we want to put a, people are looking for signs today. You know what Jesus said about looking for signs? An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. Amen. We operate by faith. We operate by dependence upon God. And secondly, there's something that is so much better than talking to a burning bush or having a vision on a housetop. You say, well, what is that? Listen to what Peter said in 2 Peter 1.9. See, Peter talked about being up in the Mount of Transfiguration, seeing Jesus transfigured before him and all of these things. And you know what he said about that? He said, we have a more sure word of prophecy. And he's talking about the word of God. There's something better than visions. There's something better than all of these things we've been talking, burning bushes and all of those things. And it is the word of God. We can take the word of God today and hold it in our hands every day and read it and hear from God. Hear God speak to us. It's the voice principle. How do we know? How do we hear the voice of God today? Well, Hebrews 1 said he's spoken to us in these last days by his dear son. That's what Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. But we have three ways of knowing God's will. And one of them is named over in 2 Timothy, the third chapter, where it says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for reproof, rebuke, instruction, and righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We have the completed Bible, the completed word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. If you're a child of God, you have the mind of Christ. You have the ability to understand the word of God. And then we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, the apostle Paul said, if a man doesn't have the spirit of God, he's none of his. If you say, I don't know anything about the Holy Spirit, I don't have the Holy Spirit indwelling me, you need to be saved. That's what he's saying. But listen to John 14, 26. This is Jesus speaking, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. We have the Word of God, we have the mind of Christ, and we have the indwelling Holy Spirit. Folks, we can hear from God today. That's a great advantage in serving God. Those three things are a great advantage in serving God if we'll just use them. Now, some people will pray this way, and often we do. Lord, if it is your will, do such and such, right? Well, that's a good way to pray if you don't know God's will. <laughs> that's a pretty good way to pray. But the best way to pray is this. It is, Lord, this is your will, and I'm going to stand in your will. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, and this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. How do I know the will of God? You get into the word of God. You can't know the will of God without the word of God. So get into the word of God, know the will of God, pray for the will of God. Because verse 15 in 1 John 5 says, and if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. How to get every prayer answered. Just know the will of God and pray for the will of God to be done. 
What did Jesus pray in the Garden of Gethsemane? Not my will, but thine be done. And many times we pray, Lord, this is my will, would you do it? And we ought to be praying, God, not my will, but thy will be done. If we're not living by what we already know from the Bible, folks, it is hypocrisy to ask God to guide us. Do I need to repeat that? If we're not living by what we know from the Bible, it's hypocrisy to ask God to guide us. Why would God give us more light if we're not using the light we have? Amen. And so we need to know the will of God. There's the voice principle. Secondly, there's what I call the venture principle. Because if you look back to verse 8 here in the 11th chapter of Hebrews... We're just told that by faith when Abraham was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed. Isn't that simple? The venture principle. Obey what you know. Abraham heard from God. Didn't know where he was going. Didn't know what he was going to do. But he obeyed God. He left everything that he knew. He left everything that he loved behind. And he went and did what God said. Our responsibility is not to figure out how it will all work out. Our responsibility is not to try to help God work it out. Our responsibility is simply to obey God. Amen. When God says go, we need to go. Let me give you an example. Almost nine years ago now, I got a phone call one day. Bethel would like you to come and preach in view of the call. It's our pastor. Now I'm going to be real honest with you here. Because I said, well, give me a couple of days to pray about it and I'll call you back with an answer. Because I already knew what I was thinking. Well, probably not. And uh, that two days turned into two weeks. But you know what happened in that two weeks? God did something to my heart. He said, you need to go. You need to go. You need to go meet with these people. You need to find out about this church. You need to do that. And so two weeks later, I called back and I said, yes, I'll, I'll come. What day do you want me to come? And view of a call. And then I came. And that first Sunday when we left, that I think it was after Sunday morning service, if my memory serves me right, I said, Lord, if you don't want me there, don't let them call me. Because if they call me, I'm going because I think you want me here. See, we, we need to hear from God. We need to know what the Word of God says. And then we need to be willing to do it. If you're having a faith problem, it's probably because you're having an obedience problem too. Amen. You want more faith? Here's what you do. Obey God. If you want more faith, just trust God and do what God says to do. We have the voice principle here from God. We have the venture principle, obey God. And if we don't obey, we can't expect God to give us more light. Then we come to what I call the value principle. The value principle talks about priorities in verses 9 and 10. You look at those. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him of the same promise, for he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Now when he says he sojourned in tabernacles, that word tabernacles means tents. He didn't ride in a motorhome. He didn't pull a trailer behind his car. He traveled, however he traveled, and he lived in tents. But you know what? Canaan was not Abraham's home. That's not the home he was looking for. He was going where God led him, but Canaan was not his home. Verse 10 says he was looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. I sort of think Abraham's motto, and I can just see Abraham traveling, singing, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. He's trusting God to lead him where God wants him to go. And see, because of that, he didn't, 
put his tent pegs in too deeply, did he? Be ready to get up and move, Abraham. And why didn't he do it? Because he had a different priority. Look at verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims upon this earth. You know what we are? We're strangers and pilgrims upon this earth. This world is not our home. We are just passing through. Verse 14, for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. I love this country. You know I love this country. I've talked about how I love this country. But folks, as I've said before, I've got a whole lot better citizenship than this one. Because I have a heavenly citizenship and we're going to talk about that in just a few moments. Look at verse 16. But now they desire a better country that is an heavenly See, I'm afraid that so many of God's people today have just become comfortable with this world. They've sort of driven their tent pegs in so deeply. And they've settled down. No longer feel like strangers and pilgrims in this world. I feel like a square peg trying to go into a round hole in this world, folks. I don't fit. And I hope you don't fit either. Because this world is the very opposite of what a child of God ought to be. One of the reasons that we have problems with faith is that our priorities are wrong. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, 33, what did the Lord say? Priority, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What's first in your life? What's first in my life? What's first in the life of this church? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus talked about the first and great commandment. And what is the first and great commandment? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Okay? The first and the great commandment. Seek God first. Love God first. Love God above everything else. Too often, we look at faith as a way to get our will done in heaven. Folks, faith is a way to get heaven's will done on this earth. What did Jesus teach us to pray in Matthew chapter 6? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And faith will help us to seek to do God's will upon this earth. We're not trying to get God to match our will. We're going to match our will with God's will. And as I said a moment ago, citizenship, citizenship in heaven. We can't get too attached to this world. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20, the Apostle Paul said, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Conversation talks about citizenship. It talks about behavior. How am I supposed to behave? Like a citizen of heaven. You know, when I go somewhere, which isn't very often these days with the price of gasoline, but when I go somewhere, I want to give a good representation of this city or uh, of our state or of our nation or of this church. I want to be a good representative. And so if we are citizens of heaven, we ought to be, want to be good representatives of heaven. And if we live for this world, we will not have faith. If we live for this world, we will not have faith. Listen to James chapter 4 and verse 4. This is what the Bible says about friendship with this world system. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. That word enmity talks, literally has the idea, it's translated in another place as hatred. It talks about an occasion for a battle. So friendship with the world, with the world system, the world way of doing things, puts us at odds with God. In fact, it goes on to say, whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy 
of God. Now, folks, I don't want to be an enemy of God. But it says, whosoever will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Abraham was not the enemy of God. Abraham was not a friend of the world. Abraham followed God. Abraham obeyed God. See, what will happen is a person who's a friend of the world will start to think like the world. 1 John chapter 2 says this, that all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And it says this world passes away. It says in verse 15, it says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. That word love is the word for self-sacrificing love. It is that word agape. Do not have a self-sacrificing love for this world and the things of this world because you begin to love the world. You know what you do? You begin to get conformed to the world. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of our mind. We are to be different. We are not to be like the rest of the world. Have you ever watched a child of God who falls in love with the world? It's sad, folks. It's heartbreaking. We've seen it. We've seen it here. A child of God just falls in love with the world. Let me give you an example of one. There was a man named Lot. Abraham's nephew. He went with Abraham out of the earth of the Chaldees, came down into Canaan. But what did he eventually do? The scripture says he pitched his tent toward Sodom. Now we know what a wicked, evil city Sodom was. He pitched his tent toward Sodom. Well, what do we end up finding him doing? He's living in the city of Sodom eventually. He's sitting in the gate of the city, which is essentially he was on the city council of Sodom. And when Sodom was destroyed, Lot lost everything except two daughters. And if it were not for the grace of God, Lot would have lost his life along with everything else there in that city of Sodom. It was Abraham's prayers and God's mercy that saved Lot. And we hear today and we've heard a lot in the past about the need for separation of church and state. You know what we need sermons on today? The need for separation between the church and the world. Amen. Okay? Because believers, the average church member today dresses like the world, talks like the world, looks like the world, lives like the world. The average church today has disregarded the word of God many times and uses the world's methods to try to create an excitement for worship today and that's not what God says we ought to do. We try to attract the world. Well, how do we attract the world? The Lord says that we're supposed to go out and bring them in. We win them to Christ. We lead them to Christ. We bring them in to hear the word of God. Abraham had a pilgrim character. He had a pilgrim mindset. He knew he was not of this world. He sought to please God. And he looked for a city whose maker was God. Well, that's the value principle. Then there's the vision principle. The vision principle. What's the vision principle? Keep your faith focused. Look at verse 10. For he looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And the operative phrase here is he looked. Where did Abraham put his vision? Not on things of this world, but on a city that God had built. And again, verse 13, we read it a moment ago, but these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. Now we haven't seen all of the promises of God yet, have we? Amen. We see them afar off. That's why we have hope, glad expectation, because we know what God has promised. We can read a little bit about it, but it ought to make us want it more and more and more, shouldn't it? They saw them afar off and were persuaded of them. Hey, what do the promises of God do to us? Do they persuade us? 
Do they cause us to want to get closer to God and know more about God and know more about what he has for us? They were persuaded of them and embraced them. They took them to themselves and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims upon the earth. Their vision was right. They were looking in the right direction. They were looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. It is very easy to lose our focus today and quit having the right set of values. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 tell us this. If ye then be risen with Christ, do what? Seek those things that are above, which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. That's what we're doing. That's what is to be foremost in our sight. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. We're to love God. I said a moment ago, above everything else. It is easy to get so earthly minded that we are no heavenly good. Now, we don't need to get so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good, but we're not to be so earthly minded that we are not of real value to God. Here's what faith will do, and here's what these did. Faith caused them to see what other people could not see. Faith caused them to see the invisible. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith will cause us to see what others do not see. It sees the invisible. It knows the unknowable. It searches and performs the impossible. Faith will have us doing the things that God wants us to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, While we look not at things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Again, one of these days, this building won't be here. I don't know when it will be. One of these days, this building won't be here. But I tell you what, God will still be here. The things of God will be, still be here. Faith sees the invisible. There is an invisible world. And I believe this with all of my heart. There's an invisible world that is more real than this world. I believe, and I haven't lost my mind, I'm going to tell you, I believe that there's a spirit world that is all around us. And I've often wondered when I do that, what is my hand going through? There are angels, there are demons. I believe in guardian angels. I try to keep mine busy. But I believe in guardian angels. I, believe, I know there are demons that are about. But there's a spirit world that is about us that people cannot see, that people cannot understand. But these who followed God by faith could see the invisible and they could desire the invisible and the impossible. Most believers today just sort of see just what's around them. Oh, listen, there's so much more. And it is the things of God. But we see our car, our house, our job. Why not see into eternity? And, you know, I don't know what God has for us when we get to heaven. But I know this is going to be good. Because he supplied it. And we need to see eternity by faith. So there's the vision principle. Remember, there's the voice principle, the venture principle, the value principle, the vision principle. Here's another one, the vigilance principle. And this one is also important. Verse 11, through faith also Sarah herself received to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Now, God gave some promises to Abraham and God gave some promises to Abraham and Sarah together. And what happened is they got their eyes off the Lord and they made some terrible choices. 
We have trouble in the Middle East today because, in part because of that. Because Abraham and Sarah decided they knew how to have a child and so they would just take it out of God's hands and that's not what God intended. But let me tell you another thing. God had promised to take care of Abraham. Going to make his name great. But what did Abraham do when God allowed his faith to be tested? And Abraham, by the way, failed the test. There was a famine in the land. So what did Abraham do? Man, I'm going to run down to Egypt. They've got food down there. I'm going to run down to Egypt. God had not put Abraham in Egypt. God had put Abraham in Canaan. But Abraham runs down to Egypt. What happened in Egypt? Well, he got run out of Egypt. Why did he get run out of Egypt? Because, now listen, he lied. And a pagan king understood the lie. And the pagan king, who at that point was more righteous than saved Abraham, said, get out. Get out and, and don't come back. If God could take care of Abraham or Abram and bring him down into Canaan and take care of him there, don't you think God could take care of Abraham even though there was a famine in the land? Abraham had to have faith. And he didn't have faith and he went down to Egypt. God had promised him a son, like I said. And eventually God gave them a son, but not before they messed up and tried to to do it their way, and we know all about all of that mess with Hagar. So God tested Abraham's faith. God may allow our faith to be tested, folks. And in fact, we may be going through a test of our faith right now. COVID, inflation, high fuel prices. Seemingly that in this nation today, most of the nation has turned against Christ and Christians and Christianity. We may be going through a testing of our faith right now. And it won't be easy, but you know what James 1.3 says? The trying of your faith worketh patience. Patience is endurance. It's the ability to last. It's the ability to stand. And in fact, Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 7 says this about the trial of our faith. He said it's much more precious than gold. Do you ever think of it that way? You know, I talked Wednesday night about the gift that God has for us, the gift of suffering. And most people don't look on it as a gift. But you read that first chapter, that 29th, 30th verses of Philippians chapter 1. It's given unto you not only to believe in his name, but to suffer for him also. Well, Lord, I don't want that gift. No, God's got it for you. It's a gift. It is a gift to those who are faithful to him. And Peter says the trying of our faith is much more precious than gold. In fact, he says that it might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. I think God's going to have a special reward for those whose faith is tried, who meet the test, who do not fail the test. And just because we have faith does not mean that we're not going to have problems. It doesn't mean we're not going to have troubles. It does not mean that we're not going to have tears. But a faith that cannot be tested, folks, is a faith that cannot be trusted. And God may test our faith. Testing won't be easy, but we need to remember Abraham. So there is the vigilance principle. And there's one more. And we're going to close with this principle. And I like this principle. It's called the victory principle. The victory principle. Verses 11 and 12. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. And was delivered of a child when she was past age. Because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one. And him as good as dead. 
So many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. Sarah got her baby, and Abraham got his great name. God had said to Abraham, I will make your name great. And he has. It's been 4,000 years at least. And we're still talking about Abraham. In fact, not only do the Jews claim Abraham, the Arabs claim him through Hagar and Ishmael. But Abraham's known, the name Abraham's known throughout the world. But God gave Abraham and his descendants through Isaac, the land. Because of Abraham, the Hebrew nation with all of the prophets who prophesied of Jesus came and of course the lineage of Jesus in the flesh by Abraham through Jacob and the tribe of Judah and Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. God kept his word to Abraham. Abraham just trusted God and did what God said to do. And I'll tell you there's no way, absolutely no way that you and I today will live in victory apart from faith in God. Trusting God, living for God. 1 John 5, 4, this is the victory that overcometh the world. What is it? Even our faith. Overcomers. Overcomers have faith. Overcomers trust God. When they come up against odds like you couldn't believe, they say, I trust God. I went back and I was reading some things that I had written. In fact, my memories on Facebook came up today from 2020. And I'd forgotten about doing this. And I don't know if I'm going to get back to doing it or not. But I, I wrote about trusting God in all of this COVID stuff and all this going on. I said, just trust God. And I said, from now on, I'm going to put this hashtag, faith over fear, at the end of everything I write. Well, I forgot about doing that. And so I hadn't done it in a long time. But folks, throughout all of this, you know what I've done? I trust God. I just trust God. God can keep me well. God can keep me healthy. God can give me life. God can give me health. God can give me whatever I need. And if and when I do get sick, God can take care of me then. And if I die, God's going to welcome me home. Amen. We can trust God. If we'll put these six principles into practice, we'll see our faith grow stronger. The voice principle, the venture principle, the value principle, the vision principle, the vigilance, and the victory principle. Just put them into, and trust God. Give him the glory. Remember, Abraham was a pagan when he started in the school of faith, and he was 75 years of age. No one should ever think that they're too old or too bad to enroll in the school of faith. And listen, if you're watching by way of live stream, or if there's someone here in this congregation this morning, because I don't know all hearts, God does. But if there's someone Who's not a child of God? God wants to save you. Just that simple. The life of faith begins with a step of faith. You know that old saying, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step? Well, the journey and the life of faith begins with one step. And that step is to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For some who saw it, and I know some did, I put something on, uh, again on Facebook last night on our church's website and on our page. You know, there are people today trying to do good work after good work after good work 
hoping that that will help them make it to heaven. And all in the world they're doing is building a high rise to hell. That's all they're doing. Not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not your works that are going to get you to heaven. It's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can join every church in town, be baptized by every church in town, and die and go to hell. Where's your faith? Is it in Jesus? But see, not only are we saved by faith, for those of us who are saved, we serve by faith, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works that God hath before ordained we should walk in them. Why am I saved? I'm saved to live for Jesus. I'm saved to serve God. Well, how do I serve God? How did Abraham serve God? Through faith. So we're saved by faith. We serve by faith. And folks, we look forward to the fulfillment of our faith when that day comes that Jesus returns and we're taken up. And I don't think it'll be very long. We're taken up with him and we'll meet the Lord in the air. And the scripture says, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Second Thessalonians 5 says this. We're going to close with this verse. We walk by faith, not by sight.